welcome to another edition of the EDS at Union Now podcast. Today we join Dean Douglas and Sandra Montez as they discuss transitioning to virtual worship while churches are unable to meet together in person due to COVID-19. Sandra Montez is the Interim Director of Worship at Union and involved in the Episcopal Church Foundation as their Spanish language resource consultant. If you enjoyed this conversation, remember to share with friends and family, and as always, the video version is available on our Facebook page. Good afternoon. I am Kelly Brown Douglas, Dean of the Episcopal Divinity School at Union Theological Seminary. I thank you for joining us for another conversation in our series of conversations on being church at the time in the time of COVID-19. This afternoon, I am privileged to have joined me Dr. Sandra Montez, who is the Interim Director of Worship at Union Theological Seminary, as well as the Episcopal Church Foundation's Language Resource Consultant. Sandra, thank you for joining me this afternoon. Thank you. I would say yes to anything with you. <laughs> well, I don't know, but I thank you for saying <laughs> yes to this. Thank you. I want to begin this conversation by asking you, what does it mean to be church in this time of COVID-19? For me to be church during this time is to be present. I think mm -hmm. that is one of the biggest things that I've noticed. Um, just to be, just to be, mm -hmm. I think is really what it means to be church in these times. So in that sense, it's really living into, in one sense of the word, what it means, particularly within the faith, uh, Christian faith tradition, to be embodied and to be an incarnate reality. And so in spite of the fact that we are unable to gather together and worship, which I'll come back to in a minute, but there are still ways in which we can be that embodied presence uh, yeah. at this time. Yes, I think that is so important uh, for us. I think that a lot of us, like I love social media and technology. So I've been you know, doing evangelism and praising God, et cetera, throughout my life on social media and through video and things like that. And so for me, this is just an extension of that to to be able to be in people's homes and uh, without necessarily going somewhere, but just staying put and just sharing our life uh, through a screen. So Sandra, let me follow up on that a little bit. Yeah. You are within the Episcopal Church denomination, one of our liturgical gurus. Uh, <laughs> uh, we call upon you uh, in our general conventions and other gatherings to bring liturgy alive uh, for us in these gatherings. You are currently serving, as I said, as the interim director of worship at Union Theological Seminary. And again, playing that role of bringing liturgy alive. Mostly every faith tradition and denomination has some kind of liturgical practice that is related to uh, worship and gathering together. Well, now we can't. And of course, there's no denomination that uh, is more defined by its liturgy uh, than say the Episcopal Church. Many people have talked about what we're losing uh, at this time of crisis in terms of liturgy. What I like to focus on is what we're gaining 
What, what do you see that we're gaining as we have not been able to come together and worship? What are the lessons learned? I think we're gaining more people uh, to come that may not necessarily go into one of our churches because we see people, pastors in their homes, we see pastors without their collars on or with their collars on coming on as uh, from their kitchens, from their tables, with a candle, without one, you know, just being very raw and very real, very, to me, at least very Jesus and very God to everyone. I think that is what we're gaining. I also have noticed that some people who have, you know, love high church, you know, just all the bells and whistles and all that stuff have come to, to, to really share that home is also church. You know, home is also sacred. Home is also high church because it just is, you know, her home is church. And I think that is really cool to see, you know, deans and, um, uh, you know, people with high degrees, et cetera, coming to us wherever we're at uh, is very moving and very touching. Yeah, and was that your sort of that. critique of me, deans yeah. and people with a lot of degrees? That is relevant, but you know, you're doing the same thing. Look, you know, you, we can see what's behind you. And that is, I think, you know, and you're coming to people, to people's homes also. I think yeah. that's one of the things we're gaining. There is something very sort of theological about that, right? That the context itself mm. becomes revelatory. Yeah. Uh, and so what are we learning from these very ordinary everyday contexts in, in which people really try to find ways to worship God. The other thing that it does is it unmasks those of us who are behind the collars, right? We're just human beings like everybody else, somehow trying to reflect uh, the glimpse of God. And right. even as it sort of unmasks these, the theologies, right, of liturgy, I uh, tuned in yesterday to a particular uh, worship service. It was not Episcopalian, uh, uh, and it was a Black church uh, UCC service, and they were having Eucharist, and uh, the, the pastors said for the people in their homes, get together with your family, right, and let's share uh, the bread together, and so something very real about that. So yeah. what is it that we're learning about our liturgical practices uh, it, while we aren't able to be in church? What are, what are we discovering? What's, what perspective, new perspective should we have? You know, um, one of the things that we're doing at the chapel, you know, Union Theological um, Seminary Chapel, you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, we have a bunch of different kinds of chapels happening. We have a song going on. We can have uh, something live, just one person speaking to people. We have Zoom going live like now, you know, this. Uh, we have, so we have several people today. We had uh, the Black Caucus uh, sharing uh, just thoughts and song. And there were a lot of us there together. And I think that's something we're learning that it can be done no matter where you're at. Mm -hmm. uh, church can be anywhere. It can also be uh, a very creative. Uh, we know that, you know, at Union very well, that it can be just very creative. Just any kind of ritual can happen and worship can take place. And I think that a lot of us are learning that from home now. And some of us who, you know, like me, I'm like, oh, I'm so low church and all this stuff. You know, there are some things that I know that I'm going to really be excited about if we ever get to do things, you know, in, in a church building, the same quote unquote, the same way, 
um, you know, it's, there's some things that I can't wait to do, but that we can do at home as well. Like, like you said, I mean, just with my family, with my son, I can just break bread. I can uh, turn on a candle, uh, you know, like in a uh, morning prayer that EDS at Union has, um, they, they always bring a candle in and that just kind of, you know, just brings in us into a different space. Uh, a lot of us people of color, I, I should maybe say a lot of us Latinos and Latinx, Latinas, we have altars at home. Uh, so we've done this, you know, for a long, long time. And so for us, we already have an altar at home. And now I think a lot of us are, are understanding how important that is, because now we don't go to a church to have an altar, but we have our altar here. And uh, I think that's also something that we're learning that, you know, what can, how can we make our space into this space that we feel is holy, holy. Yeah. No, I'm sorry. I, I didn't want to cut you off at all. Uh, but, you know, how we define sacred space, right? Yes. And exactly. who defines that space as sacred and how we yeah. make that space sacred. And we perhaps don't have to rely on hierarchies. Yes. Uh, throwing around incense or holy water to uh, make a space sacred. Even as I say that as one who's a part of a tradition that does that, and I respect that. Yeah. But it helps us to understand truly the significance of what perhaps Jesus says where two or three are gathered yeah. uh, in a new way. Uh, uh, which also though leads me to ask another question. There are many people who do not have access uh, to internet. I know I was speaking with a student who uh, works in a parish and it's a poor parish and that parish doesn't have the ability, one, to do services online and to live stream. Uh, secondly, many of the people in that parish uh, don't have the ability to go online and live stream. So we've talked about how COVID has revealed the endemic injustices and inequality yeah. in this country. We even see that in terms of our worship, ability to worship beyond. How, it, it seems to me that that becomes an indictment in so many ways on the church and yeah. what it means to be church and how we've neglected, the things we have neglected in being church. Can you speak yeah. to that? Yeah, you know, I've seen one of the, the our, um, in the Episcopal churches, you know, very low um, social economic, et cetera, you know, places is Navajo land. And I know right. that they have a bunch of people who are right now, they're sick. That's right. Um, and the pastors, what I've seen them doing is actually go, you know, from home to home. And of course they can't go inside or anything like that, but they'll leave things outside of people's doors to have church together. Uh, so they will have things that, you know, that people can actually look at if they can, if they do have, you know, Wi-Fi, et cetera. But they also have stuff that they can do from just, you know, paper or, you know, um, like from a bag, et cetera. I think that that pastors, at least I hope that pastors have people's, um, you know, phone numbers and snail uh, mail addresses and that they're doing something about that calling or you know sending a note or something i think that that is on us on the leadership that's, right. uh, that's a lot of times we forget because we have email addresses we have you know email or social media and then email newsletters etc we cannot forget the people who are completely um out of uh reach you know and and but that is on our pastors and I think that small churches, of course, do that 
pretty well because, you know, there's a smaller number, but I think sometimes our larger churches that may be able to um, uh, partner with these smaller ones, you know, I wonder how is that happening? Because I see partnerships between big churches and big institutions, but I don't often see, you know, a partnership of, you know what, we're this big church. This is how we're going to help this smaller or less affluent place. Um, And I think that may be something that we, can also look at and think about how how is it that we're going to go forward because you know everybody keeps saying that right everybody keeps saying okay this is a new normal and things like that but I think it's it's more like okay what are we going to take from now and really put it together as a body of Christ no I agree how can we through this crisis become better you know and not focusing so much on what uh the bad that's going to come or how bad it can get, but instead focusing on how much better we can become afterwards. And, you know, I think you've raised a a good point here that afterwards, uh, as we move through this crisis, we need to begin to look at ways in which say our endowed parishes can support, instead of supporting themselves, that our endowed parishes can support those parishes and communities that have already been considered uh, expendable because of the way we've treated them or neglected them. But now we have to make sure that they don't become dispensable. Those communities aren't disposable and dispensable uh, peoples. And I'm, I'm so glad that you drew our attention to Navajo land because we know that this crisis is having an inordinate impact upon yeah. Navajo land, particularly uh, on Native American communities. Yeah. And it's been pointed out that the uh, an ordinate impact up on the Navajo. Yes. Uh, and so I thank you for pointing that out, but it reminds us again about what it really means to be church, which right. is much, is goes far beyond the liturgy that we can practice uh, right. within four walls. It's sort of the liturgy we can practice uh, by being an embodied presence. Yes. But I wanna ask you, I know you have thoughts on this. <laughs> With all of that said, uh, uh, there are churches, uh, Sandra, that continue to gather, like the church in Florida, for example, or I guess it's Florida or uh, Louisiana as well. Uh, and under the premise that they follow the commands of God, not the commands of the state. Uh, can you speak to that? <laughs> You know, I'll try to be a little nice and, you know, it is, it is, it is Holy Week after all. Uh, To me, you know, one of the things, you know, we've talked about this with my parents a lot too, because, you know, like, like churches that do, you know, the snake handling and things like that, um, you know, in the Bible, it doesn't tell you, hey, look for snakes and do this. It says, you know, if this happens, then this, you know, I'm still going to save you. If you walk through deep waters, I will save you. If you go through the fire, I will save you. It doesn't say, hey, look for the fire. Hey, look for that deep, you know, and just jump in and, you know, and I will do, you know, my magic trick. It doesn't say that. Now, I believe in in miracles. I believe in God's power. I believe in all that. And I also believe doctors and I also believe, you know, the laws and I also respect them. Um, and I think that that is the most important thing. It's not, you know, sometimes it's like, oh, well, Jesus is going to save me. Well, what about if you get infected and nothing happens to you, but you touch someone else and they truly become very ill and then infect other people, et cetera. I mean, we've been told that this is a very uh, contagious thing. Um, Jesus, yes, Jesus is there with all of us and also tells us, be smart, you know, 
and and why are you trying you know i don't understand why are we testing god with this you know i don't get it yeah no i i i i think that's a very good point sort of testing god as we think of uh, the temptations that uh begin us on our uh linton journey and and i wonder you know about our ethical responsibility. What, what is our responsibility as church? What is our responsibility in caring uh, for uh, God's people and God's creation? Can you say something about that? Yeah, you know, uh, and I also see like televangelists selling things right now and telling people do this or do that. I think, you know, our responsibility when people follow us is to point people to God and to Jesus as Christians. Um, and that is, you know, about love. When I love you, I'm not going to do anything to put you in jeopardy. When I love you and I love myself and I love God, I'm not going to do anything that's going to harm you or me. And I think that is the responsibility that we have to take seriously as leaders. People look up to us, you know, to, to show them what it is to do. And this may be very unpopular, and I apologize in advance for those who are still doing this, but I also feel people who are, continue to go to their churches, pastors, especially in the Episcopal Church, because that's what I see, you know, what are we, what kind of message are we sending? You know, what kind of message are we sending that only at, you know, the building there is God and power? I mean, we can do the same thing from our homes. And I just think that, you know, I wish people would think about that. Yes, we have beautiful buildings. Yes, maybe it's only five or 10 people in there, but are we being responsible? You know, are we saying to our people, no, you should come here. You know, this is the place to be when uh, the law say stay at home, do not go out. I mean, I just, you know, I, I'm, I have a, I'm conflicted about those things. Um, and because I don't know, I don't know, but it, so anyway, so I think that is our responsibility to point people to Jesus and to show love. And right now, love, as our nurses and doctors are telling us, love is staying home. That's what love is right now. Yeah, and it sounds, sounds as well like you're preaching a message, uh, Sandra, an Easter message, really. Uh, uh, because if the resurrection means anything, uh, yes, it means that uh, God ultimately overcomes and triumphs over a culture of death, whatever that death may be, injustice is, is right. death, right? Uh, these crucifying realities of culture. But it also means that we are called into life, not into death. Right. Uh, and so it, many people are bemoaning uh, that they can't celebrate Easter. Uh, what does it mean at this time to celebrate Easter and to be called into a culture of life and to say no, uh, that death has no power? Uh, seems to me that the Easter message at this time is even more powerful, right? Yeah. Because yeah. it is a message that uh, takes place in and of itself in, in the contradictions of, of life and the contradictions of death. You, you, speak to that, how can we celebrate Easter? And, you know, as a Latina and as a Native American, um, I've had to deal with death my whole life, right? I mean, they tried to kill us and <laughs> I'm still here. Uh, as, you know, African descent, same thing, right? I mean, they tried right. to just make us disappear and we're still here. We are people of the resurrection. That is what we do every single day. As we wake up, it's like, okay, I'm alive. I need to take this breath. And so I think all of us can celebrate that God, that Jesus is alive. 
we can celebrate that at home. Just it's it's a knowledge inside. You know, Easter is my favorite ho holiday. And, uh, you know, I love to prepare. I love to buy new hats. I love to buy new <laughs> clothes. I love to buy, you know, the Easter baskets for my kids, all that stuff. And so this year I kept thinking, you know, how is it that it's going to be different? And I think, you know, Sandra, it's not going to be different because inside is the same joy. I'm still going to yell out that word that I've been trying not to say all this, uh, you know, all this 40 days and eat Sundays. Um, I'm still going to wear one of my hats that I have here. I'm still going to dress up. I'm still going to, you know, eat chocolate <laughs> and um, all this stuff. But, you know, and but it is something inside. We are children of the resurrection. Let's not forget that we believe, those of us who are Christians believe that Jesus rose. And because of that, we also will rise. Whether it is right now, whether it is later, I believe that that is our hope, that is the, that's what, you know, that's the only thing that gives me hope, that there is something more, that there is something alive, that Jesus is here with us. So when you are there and, and where it says, you know, two or three, Jesus is already with you. So that's already two right there. You know, if anybody is lonely at home, because I know a lot of people are at home and alone, Jesus is with you. And just remember that. And Jesus is alive. And, you know, those of us who are Christians, we have that hope to look up to and, or to look forward to. And, um, it, it can just be an incredible celebration. Uh, you know, I mean, singing all you want to sing. Actually, you can even sing louder because, you know, nobody's going to look at you and say, like, that's not the right note. You know, <laughs> you, could, you, could say you can't sing like, right. like me. But here's the thing that you again point us to for uh, move to the last question. And I think it's very important. And, uh, and that is initially we you talked about how these uh, wealthier churches or endowed parishes can help the underserved and underserviced uh, parishes and, and communities. Uh, these churches are living in these sort of crucifying realities, right? And now here again, you direct our attention to the fact that, you know what? There are people who have historically, cultures and groups of people who have historically lived their lives in crucifying realities. And so that every day you wake up as a person of color in this country that is so uh, sort of saturated with uh, white supremacist violence, whether yeah. we're talking about systemic injustice, et cetera, et cetera, that every day you wake up as a person of color and go to bed as a person of color mm -hmm. and wake up the next morning, it's like, I'll say the word though it's Holy Week, hallelujah, the, the Lord is risen, right? Yeah. And so that there are lessons to be learned from mm -hmm. the communities that we have ignored about what it really means to be a follower of Jesus and to understand the yeah. reality of the resurrection. Something I think that are, we've taken for granted yeah. uh, that we don't really understand what it means to, to pull life right. uh, out of death, like the rabbit out of the hat. Well, yeah. you don't understand that when you've always had the hat and a whole lot of rabbits. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, right? For communities who've not had hats, that's and right. had to eat the rabbit uh, yeah. for a meal for that day. Yeah. Uh, we know what it's like to be able to pull that extra one, uh, right. if you will, forgive all rabbits, uh, <laughs> that uh, rabbit out of the hat. So I, I think you speak a powerful message, Sandra, uh, of what we can learn from the communities that we have ignored and that we have neglected and that we have seen as offering nothing to uh, theologically to the meaning of uh, resurrection uh, as it happened out of a crucifying reality. Amen. Yeah. So 
with that, what message as you are the guru of liturgy <laughs> for many of us, as a woman of color uh, who takes seriously what that means, uh, as the interim director of worship at Union Theological Seminary, what message do you want to leave for us all as we move through Holy Week to Easter morning uh, about uh, how we worship and what it means to be church and what we should indeed uh, be paying attention to and how we should indeed grow uh, as we move through this crucifying reality that is the COVID pandemic. I think, you know, as we were talking, I kept thinking we need to reach out. All of us have somebody in mind that we can reach out to during this holy week to take hope to them and to also gain something from them. Mm -hmm. um, I think sometimes when we see people who are in a more difficult situation than us, we may think that you know, we can bring them hope, but they can also show us how they are dealing with this um, in, in a hopeful way. And so I think we should all try to reach out to somebody during this week that will, and to share Christ or resurrection or God, whatever, however you want to see creator and, and spirit um, with love, with hope, um, with everything that you have and you know let's let's take that resurrection power let's take that hope that miracle beyond sunday um i think that is one thing that that i want to do this this easter and this this uh holy week i want to take that further you know for it not to just be what it's always been but to actually think, okay, this is truly a resurrection day. Um, and let's bring that to other people as well. Well, I think that's a good message uh, for us to end on. And so let us live into the resurrection and be that resurrection light uh, yeah. for someone else. Thank you so much, Dr. Sandra Montez for this conversation. I look forward to future conversations with you and I invite our audience to stay tuned and to look out for our future Facebook Live conversations on what it means to be church in this time of COVID-19. Thank you for joining us. Thank you.